Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I am thankful for what I feel here today, and I'm so thankful for the word of the Lord that we've already heard. And if you will just stay in with me just for a few more moments, I believe the Lord has laid something on my heart. And so I'm going to speak to you this morning from my heart, if that's all right. If you'll join me in the book of Psalms 107. Psalms 107. We'll be reading verses 1 through 3. And let me just say to our guests this morning, thank you for being in service with us. We certainly don't take it lightly for you to take time out of your schedule to be here. And we are certainly appreciative of that. Psalms 107, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist said, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west from the north and from the south. And for just a few moments this morning, I'm going to take my text from verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I'm going to speak to you on this subject, the voice, the voice of the redeemed. Let's lift our hands, let's lift our voices, and let's pray one more time. And let's ask the Lord to help us. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this place. You are truly awesome in this place. And we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, that we have this infallible word to stand upon that will never change, that will never pass away. It will not fluctuate in time, but it is forever settled, Lord. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. May be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Thank you for your worship. The voice of the redeemed. Our world is in despair. The results of sin have always been present from the very beginning, yet, with each passing day, as they become decades upon decades, we have now found ourselves, I believe, in the darkest days. We are truly they upon whom the ends of the world have come. The Apostle Paul spoke of the days that we would encounter. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers. List just goes on and on and on. But he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He said, from them, from such, turn away. When Jesus was asked, he provided a litany of disastrous events that would, that would mark the days. Deception, wars, rumored wars, ethnicities making war against other ethnicities, governments against governments, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in uncommon places, all of which we see and hear daily. Jesus said that those days would have false prophets and there would be Christian affliction and betrayal and hatred and iniquity would abound so much so that it would diminish the love that humanity once had naturally for one another. And can I tell you this morning, we're not waiting on these times to get here. We're not looking for these times to come. We are not simply spectators waiting for the show to begin. We're not living in the time before, but we have entered into the final Acts. It is, without saying, dark days. It is, and it goes without saying that we are even now in a season of looming fear and uncertainty. It is confusing times, yet the Bible says that we have been called for such a time as this. It's dark, it's confusing. We don't know up from down half the time, but we have been called for this day. And we have been called into this hour with a purpose. First Peter 2 and 9, this is our purpose. He said, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. This is the command that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Can I call and can I tell you this morning, it's already been said in the first service. I'm just going to reiterate it. We have been called for a purpose and Peter said it was to show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness and into his light and so that means that we have called to we have been called to not keep silent headlines dominate conversation political figures dominate media opinions of what will uh, what will cure societal problems are not a few. While the darkness becomes more prevalent and more gross than it ever has been with each day that passes, because none of those things have worked, we live in a difficult season. We live in a season that it's hard to separate truth from fiction and lies from truth. There are so many evil reports in this earth, but the church has been called to speak a different word. 
we have been called out of this world to speak a different word than what this world has spoken. And hear me this morning, it is not a word of protest. It is not a word of condemnation. And it is even not a word of affirmation of the deeds of men. But we have been called one and all for one purpose, and that is to lift up the holy name of Jesus. We've been called to lift him high because he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And so in that proclamation is the affirmation and the proof of his everlasting goodness and his mercy. Psalm 107, we won't read it in its entirety. We just began. But in its entirety is a call to thankfulness. It is both suggestive and commanding in context, calling for global thankfulness to God. It begins in command. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. The writer then gives the reason and provides the reason for this, for his mercy endures forever followed by another admonition, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And then the psalmist uses four metaphors to illustrate God's divine goodness, which he's which he then describes in terms of deliverance. And each one he ends with an admonition. Oh, that men would praise the Lord and for his marvelous and his wonderful works to the children of men. Four metaphors he uses to, to, to illustrate God's divine goodness. The parched and hungry desert nomad finds sustenance in the city in verses 4 through 9. The doomed prisoner gains freedom in verses 10 through 16. The deathly ill receive healing in verses 17 through 22. And the sailor tossed about by sea reaches safe haven through divinely calm waters in verses 23 through 32. These four instances of God's intervention in distressing circumstances are illustrative answers to prayer. And the admonition in each is to testify about it. In answer to prayer, the fainting wanderers are led straight home. Let them be grateful to God, the provider. Praise God and testify about it. Criminals are brought to punishment and repentance and, and through their repentance are set free by the power of prayer. Let them be grateful to God, the liberator. Praise God and testify about it. Those who are sick either by way of circumstance or by way of sin are healed and restored through restorative prayer. Let them show gratitude by sacrifice and testimony to the God of love. Those venturing to sea in tempests are rescued and brought to safety by the power of prayer. Let them exalt God, the deliverer. Praise God and testify about it. But then, but then the psalmist takes a somewhat different approach and he drops that pattern altogether. The context has not changed. However, the preceding verses deal with a more specified or a particular circumstance while verses 33 through 42 speak to a more general or more generally applicable subject. The, the psalmist 
then uses the imagery of water to describe God's transformation of ideal circumstances into disastrous straits for the wicked and his redemption of, of potentially catastrophic situations for the upright. I'm going somewhere. With unmistakable wisdom characteristics, the writer makes use of striking contrast in that the Lord radically changes existing circumstances. He turns rivers into a desert. He punishes sinners and aids the hungry. He humiliates the proud and uplifts the humble and those in distress. It ends then with a warning. Let those who are wise give heed to these things in that the wise person will take a lesson from these observations and live a life of righteousness so as to be able to enjoy God's everlasting kindness. The psalm begins with the admonition to praise and to be thankful to God for his love and his mercy. And it ends in the same tone, an admonition to praise and to thank God for his love and for his mercy. Now, if you get tired of me saying that, you might as well go on and tune out right now because I'm going to say it probably a thousand more times. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord be both thankful for what he has done while being cautious as to not fall into the same straits again. And it is all predicated upon the entry of the psalm. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And here is the reason why. Because there is power in the testimony. There is power. In your testimony. Biblically speaking, a testimony is the natural result of a supernatural experience. Let me say that again. Your testimony is the natural result of a supernatural experience. Biblically speaking. So let's look at some biblical applications. John chapter 4 we are presented with an encounter between Jesus and a woman drawing water from a well. Little did she know that that day that she would come into contact with the Messiah and receive direct revelation of who Jesus was as well as the everlasting salvation that he provides through his spirit. And at the conclusion of their conversation, she leaves behind her water pot and straightway enters the city to testify of what just happened. John 4 and 29, she said, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And this is the result. And they went out of the city and came unto him. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3 the Bible says, And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said, Go unto him. He said, Go wash in the, in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. But that is not where it ends. He was both sent, yes, but he was also summoned to testify before a committee that was designed for the destruction of Jesus himself. However, what they intended to accomplish was overruled by the words of the experience. After intimidating, or at least attempting to intimidate this man's parents, they heard directly from the source. Then again, John chapter 9, 24, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now, now I see it was the testimony of the experience. Chapter 5 of Mark, we are met with another in the devil-possessed man of the Gadarenes. He lived among the tombs. He harmed himself because of his mental tormentors night and day. You could hear him crying as he made his habitation in bondage, cutting himself with stones to try to release the pain that was on the inside of him. But the Bible says that when he saw Jesus afar off he ran he ran and he worshiped at his feet can I tell you something this morning that man did something that no circumstance that man did something that no situation could ever pre prevent in anyone's life and that is to make it to the feet of the master you can get there if you want to it does not matter what is going on in your life you can get to the feet of the master he did something that no circumstance could ever prevent. And within moments, he was clothed and in his right mind. But that is not where it ends, Mark 5 and 19. But Jesus saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. And who could forget in Acts chapter 9 of the man named Saul of Tarsus on the road of Damascus bent on destruction the embryonic church in its, in, its, in its infant stages, letters in hand, ready to commit men and women to prison sentences. Yet he was arrested by the mercy of God. But when he stood from his posture of repentance, Paul came away a new man, a changed man, a name changed from, from Saul of Tarsus to Paul the apostle. And he walked away from that moment with something that no man could ever take away from him all of them all of them 
Every single one of them rescued. All of them changed. All of them made new. But all of them turned and testified. All of them were brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But they didn't just get brought out to sit on a pew, but they were brought out so that they could turn and testify of his goodness and his mercy. Despite her past with a revelation in hand, the woman left her past, her water pot, her diary of everything she ever did do. She left it at that well and walked away with a testimony and began to proclaim the goodness of God against indignant and bloodthirsty men. The blind man testified before an interrogation committee of Jesus' healing power. In the in the power of deliverance and in transformation, the man of Gadara presented a renewed mind, a renewed body, and a renewed, a renewed soul. And the Bible says that men were amazed. And after his miraculous conversion from Saul to, of Tarsus to Paul, the apostle, you already know it, but Paul evangelized. He planted churches and he profoundly wrote the bulk of the New Testament epistles that would teach and that would direct and that that would, that would shape the lives and mold the lives of believers for millennia. And so I've come to tell you this morning that that is what the voice, that is what the voice of the redeemed can do. And so I'll say it again. You can sit where you are or you can stand to your feet, but I say again, let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, let the redeemed speak. Let those who have been called, let those who have been rescued from the hand of the enemy, could somebody say, that's me? That's me. Let the salvaged, let the called out, let the purchased be purchased. Let them be the voices that are heard the loudest in this world. Testify, testify unashamedly. This is me. He brought me out of a pit. He delivered my soul from a troubled and dangerous past. He healed me and he restored me. He transformed me from what I was and put me on a road to what I would become. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you, for anyone. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That is why we sing the songs of the redeemed. That is why we sing, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. That is why we sing to the one who overcame, we lift you higher, we lift you higher. That is why we sing, he made the difference in my life. It is the song of the redeemed. It is the voice of the redeemed that has caused men to put pen to paper and write songs such as this. My heart was distressed. Neat Jehovah's dread frown and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to golden 
day I'll sing of his wonderful mercy to me. I'll praise him till all men his goodness shall see. I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song of praise in my heart. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. He brought me out. He brought me out of the miry clay. He brought me out. So like Israel, we have experienced the same, the same conversion, the same drawing, the same deliverance. We have been brought out from all four corners of the earth and all four, four corners of circumstance, all points in between. We have all, if you have experienced Acts 2.38, the plan of salvation, we have all been redeemed. Whether you were six or 60, we've all been redeemed. We've all been washed by his blood and filled with his spirit. And along that way, none, none can say that they have been perfect. In fact, if I would, would, would give this mic across the room, and I will not ever do that, but some, if not all, could say, yes, I have stumbled in some shape, some form, along the way. And so not only am I washed in his blood, not only was it one time, but when I fell, he was there to pick me up. He didn't leave me laying there in the dust and the dirt, but he helped me to my feet, and he helped me get back on the right trajectory because his grace is sufficient and his mercy endures forever. And so now, we switch gears. Now we stand poised for perfection. But that time is not yet. Because here, we have a purpose. We have a purpose to fulfill. We have a mission to complete. And that is the gospel. The good news. A lot of people have made that sound corny over the years. But it is good news. To know that we don't have to stay here. To know that this is not all. Oh yeah, it's good. It's good news. But the gospel is predicated upon proclamation. It began with John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. John was that path paver as Jesus would come as Messiah. And here, now in this hour, that same dynamic is still in process. We are now the voices that cry in the wilderness. Repent, therefore, the kingdom is 
at hand. We are His voice that must speak concerning His triumphant return. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. People must know People must understand that there is a way of escape of this devastating hour. People need to hear from those who have already experienced it. Those who have already been rescued from the hand of the enemy. His disciples constantly, constantly asked him every chance they got. Master, when will the kingdom come? When will this take place? They believe that in his coming, they believe that Messiah would come and eradicate the Roman oppression that was over them and set up his kingdom on earth. Jesus told them time and time again, the kingdom is nigh, but the kingdom is not yet. The kingdom is here because I'm here, but it is not what you think. The kingdom is near, but it is not yet. However, he changed all of that through the shedding of his blood, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Jesus Jesus ushered in a change of dispensation where his spirit would become the earnest for what would be to come. Hear me now, that same concept, that same concept exists here today. There is a coming kingdom that will be set up on this earth. Jesus will come again and he will set his feet on solid ground and he will set up his kingdom on earth and he will rule the Bible says with a rod of iron but hear me today that kingdom is coming but I don't see it because it's not here yet it's coming it is coming but that kingdom is not here yet but we have the earnest expectation of what it will become. We have experienced it. We are experiencing it right here in this room as his spirit moves and as his word speaks. And the same opportunity ought to be afforded to every human being on this earth. That same opportunity ought to be afforded to every person that we come into contact with. I want to show you something. I want to tell you something. There is a way of escape. There is solace for your soul. There is deliverance for your sin. There is a way, a better way. And so I say again loudly and proudly without any backup in me whatsoever, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our response cannot be the world's response to the things that go down. The world says it's an evil day. The world says it's a dark day. The world says there's no way out of this. 
But my Bible says, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Some in the church would even say sin is becoming grossly more prevalent than it ever has been. And I will stand flat-footed and I will agree with you. But my Bible says, but where sin abounded, grace. Somebody say grace did much more abound and so it's going to get tight here for just a second but the world says the person that I voted for didn't win the election and the party that I prefer is not even in control and I would even go as far as to say that there may be even some people in the church as a whole that would say these same things but my Bible tells me for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so can I tell you this morning, you, you can probably stay standing. It matters not who is in Congress. The officials who sit in seats in Capitol buildings across this state and across this country have no bearing on what will come to pass. It does not matter which political party or which political party affiliation the president or his cabinet holds. God is still on his throne and God is still in control and his goodness and his mercy it lasts his goodness and his mercy through circumstances and situations after situations there is no storm that is too rough there is no night that is too dark there is no mountain that is too high and there is no valley that is too low because there is absolutely nothing that is too hard for the Lord. Do you know how I know this? I know this because I have experienced it in my own life. I know this because I have seen his goodness and I have seen his mercy in my own life and there is nothing and there is no one that could ever take my praise for him and to him to the children of men. And so I will praise him. I will lift up my voice in the sanctuary. I will lift up my voice in this earth and I will praise him just like David said. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You have a voice this morning. You have been redeemed from the from the, from the enemy and from the hand of the enemy and you ought to unashamedly lift up your voice in any situation, in any circumstance and not say so what, but say so. His mercy is good. His mercy is everlasting. His hand is outreached. It is ready to heal, to restore, to deliver and there is nothing that is hard for him. And so I end with this. I end with this. And thank you for being here. This is what I feel. 
there's never been a time to where the voice of the redeemed should not be heard. But if there was ever, if there was ever a time, now, now is the time. It is time for the redeemed to be heard. It is time for the redeemed to speak louder and over the top of every lie and every circumstance that is trying to come against this world. Let the voice of the redeemed be heard louder than the pundits. Let the voice of the redeemed be heard louder than the naysayers. Let it be heard over the negativity and my goodness, let it be heard over the nonsense that is being pushed in this earth. Let there be a voice, let there be a cry out of Zion that we are here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord that he is ready to heal, that he's ready to restore, that his goodness and his mercy is everlasting. Oh, that men would praise the Lord and for his marvelous works to the children of men. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has brought out of the hand of the enemy. And so I end with this command, the same psalm, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Come on, do that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Come on, lift up your voice to heaven and let there be a cry heard. Let there be a resounding cry heard that his goodness and his mercy endures forever. We praise you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.